Get ready for an hour filled with conspiracies, UFOs, ghosts, the paranormal, legends, and myths from around the world. Chasing Prophecy Radio, where the paranormal is supernatural. With your hosts, Sean Kelly, Jenny Nicasio. Welcome to the Chasing Prophecy Radio, and here are your hosts, Sean and Jenny. Welcome back to Chasing Prophecy, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal. Remember to like us on Facebook and Instagram. It's great to be here this evening with all of you. Sean, how are you this evening? I'm doing pretty good today. Nice, wonderful, hot, humid, disgusting days. um, I was thinking we were going to get those thunderstorms, but we didn't. No, I wish we did. They they teased us today. They teased us, yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting hour for sure. But first, the buzz in the UFO community is not a good one. I don't know if you heard about Mm. the executive director of MUFONT, or should I say the former executive director, Jan Harson. Um, I was shocked and appalled when I heard and read the article that UFOologist Mike uh, Mike Barra posted on Facebook yesterday. I don't know if you heard about it. Did you hear any of it? I didn't no? hear nothing, but okay. you did send me the link, and I did yeah. read the story. How ridiculous. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's, when something like this happens, it affects the credibility of MUFONT and researchers yeah. like myself. Jan was scheduled to be on the show in September, so I'm going to have an opening in September. But all I can say is I am shocked and disappointed in the accusations of illicit acts with children. And that is something that cannot happen, especially in no. the UFO community. And so I just wanted to you know, mention that this evening because I am a, um, an investigator. Well, I technically am a still former um, MUFON investigator, although I had issues with move on myself in the past and I am no longer doing investigations but that's for another show but uh-huh. um, you should start your own group then <laughs> yeah I should probably I should call um, mm-hmm. our guest about that but um, I personally um, never met him in person only over the phone um, a number of times but there's been issues and and I don't want this to tarnish move on in any way because they are a great organization yes but Let's move on. I just felt I had to mention that since I was an investigator. But moving on to tonight's topic, which is one of my favorites, UFOs and Bigfoot and other cryptic creatures of the night and the forests and the woods. Sean, I'm sure this is something you like also or are interested in. Very interested in it. Um, it, In fact, with being working with the paranormal and doing some... uh, speaking engagements with MUFON and with the Bigfoot Society. And I'm kind of like taking an interest to it. That's, that's, yeah, it's, I live in Western Pennsylvania. I live in Westmoreland County and uh, there's a lot of strange things that happen here. And I have, you know, I have some things I want to talk to our guests about. Um, So let's get to it. Um, Our guest tonight is Stan Gordon. I met Stan at a MUFON conference a few years ago. I purchased his book, uh, the, oh my goodness, the ones about the creatures of the night. And he's going to have to help me with that one. I have it written down here. Um, It was an awesome book. um, And he has been researching UFOs and Bigfoot phenomenon for more than 60 years. 
He, like I said, he's an author. He's of three books and a former PA state director for MUFON and has been involved with the investigation of thousands of mysterious encounters across Pennsylvania. So welcome back to Chasing Prophecy, Stan. So good to have you with us again. And thank you for having me back on the program. Hi, Stan. I'm so glad you are here. Go ahead. I just said good evening to him. Oh, good evening. Yeah, the last time you were on the show, we talked about Kecksburg. And we're going to actually continue the conversation moving away from Kecksburg. So where do we start tonight, Stan? Where would you like to start? Oh, boy. Well, in 61 years, we've covered a lot of ground. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I started this back in 1959 when I was 10 years old. Surprising to your listeners, in the nearly 61 years I've been doing the research, I have never personally seen a Bigfoot or UFO myself. I've interviewed thousands of UFO witnesses and hundreds of Bigfoot witnesses and many cryptid witnesses of various types of creatures over the years, including numerous ones this year. And um, these sightings go on and on year in and year out, all year round, in all type of weather conditions. Many sightings are in daylight. And... um, I've learned a lot over the years. I don't think anybody has the answers as to what we're dealing with. I'm sure as we talk tonight, you'll find out that the Bigfoot phenomena is much, much stranger than many people realize. Because uh, when I started out in the field in 1965 investigating these incidents, when I got involved with Bigfoot, from what I knew about the reports, and I knew of the history of sightings in Pennsylvania as well, because sightings occur all around the country and other parts of the world, but I was convinced very much when I started that these things were probably some type of unknown animal. But 1973 comes around, and we had the, the first we had the biggest UFO outbreak ever. I mean, we had hundreds and hundreds of UFO sightings going on throughout the year in 1973. And back then, and there was no Internet, of course, back then, or cell phones, and a lot of the local news media and even some of the statewide news media were picking up a lot of the sightings that were going on, both locally uh, from their areas and what was going on in our investigations. And then in the summer of 1973, we had the biggest Bigfoot outbreak ever documented. That went on for months and months in 1974. And we've had Bigfoot sightings in Pennsylvania documented every year since then, as far as I recall, and they go on every year. But back in those days, you know, I started my first uh, UFO research group back in 1970, and that was because in 1969 I had set up a hotline for the public to report UFO sightings. And I began to make contact with the local police and the news media to tell what I was doing. Well, within weeks, the telephone in my home was ringing day and night with many reports, and not just UFOs, but anything unusual from alleged haunted houses to flying saucers to strange creatures, and it was apparent very quickly I needed assistance in doing this. And that's why in 1970 I founded the first of three volunteer research groups. That was the Westmoreland County UFO Study Group. And the group was kind of unique in that the most people involved had a specialty, had some kind of specialty research background. So we had scientists and engineers and technicians and police officers and former military intelligence people and all kind of specialists donating their time. We all had full-time jobs, and we volunteered our time to investigate these sightings around the clock. And by 1973, we had expanded to cover the whole state of Pennsylvania. 
and we were just being inundated with reports. And surprisingly, we were getting referrals from uh, law enforcement, from news media, and we were just very, very busy. And it's lucky we were because that massive outbreak in 1973, and that's when we uncovered some very strange things about Bigfoot that began to suggest that we're dealing with something much stranger than just an unknown animal. Talk, tell okay. us about those strange things that you um, mentioned. Well, you know, again, in, in many incidents where all these Bigfoot sightings that were going on, let me tell you about the story that started this big, major outbreak of Bigfoot activity. It occurred outside of Greensburg, July 31st, 1973. It was a warm night. Uh, this occurred in a rural area not far from what was in the old Green Gate Mall. And there was a lot of woods back in those days. Now it's been developed quite a bit. And uh, this fellow was in the bathroom that night shaving because he always, his job, we got up early for work, he shaved early every night. And it was a warm night. He had the, the window open in the bathroom. The screen was in. Began to smell this funny rotten odor. He said it was something like rotten cucumber, kind of a sickening odor. And he turned around to look at the window, and here's these two very large glowing red eyes staring at him. The window wow. was eight feet off the ground, and the dogs behind the house didn't make a sound. And some of the other relatives came out after he yelled, and uh, they smelled the odor. Whatever was there was gone. Uh, he ended up in the hospital probably because he was pretty shook up over this. And when he got out a week later, I went out to interview him, and he was still pretty shook up over the incident. I found out that a number of local young fellas had taken a shortcut to the mall, uh, a few weeks before, several weeks before, they heard a noise in the woods, and they thought it was a deer, and they began to throw some rocks in. And instead of a deer, here comes a seven, seven-and-a-half-foot-tall, huge, hair-covered, humanoid, man-like creature with long arms uh, going up the hill behind the house. So uh, anyhow, I got to interview some of those boys, and I got permission to look up on the property, and they followed me up the hill, some of the kids, and were looking around there for a short time, and... I'm looking around, and the ground conditions weren't real good. And as I'm about to leave, I see what appears to be a partial footprint and one complete track of the most unusual footprint I had ever seen. It was 13 inches long, 8 inches wide, and three-toed. So I got on the radio and called one of my associates. He came out, and we took photographs and measured and made a cast. And while we're there, we get a radio call that one of our members north of Pittsburgh that morning was investigating an incident where a large, hairy creature was looking in a window nine feet off the ground, and police found large footprints up there. So that was the start of this major UFO outbreak that went on for months and months into 1974. And that was covered very well in the news locally and nationally as well. And we were busy day and night. And many of those Bigfoot sightings were at very close range. I mean, I'm talking within 10, 20 feet of witnesses. Many were in daylight. Sometimes there was more than one creature seen together. But as these reports are coming in from widespread areas, so you got to remember now, back in that time period, uh, most people would call the police departments initially to report something, and then they would refer them over to my group to investigate. And some very strange things began to come to our attention. And one thing that we noticed, we get out to some of these locations where a sighting had occurred, and at times it would be physical evidence, such as trails of footprints of, of large tracks. Some had a very long stride, maybe uh, five, six-foot stride between the tracks, four, five, six stride between the tracks. And 
even under different ground conditions, including in the winter months when you have fresh snow, some of those tracks have suddenly stopped, vanished, and disappear, which mm-hmm. made absolutely no sense. There was no way they could have been fabricated under the conditions we found. That was the one of the first things. And then we began to see this pattern. We'd have a UFO sighting in a certain area. Within minutes, hours, or days later, we'd have a Bigfoot sighting or vice versa. And then we had some amazing cases with Bigfoot UFOs seen together at the same time and place. And some of those were just outstanding, very well-documented incidents, most of them with multiple witnesses, and sometimes with physical evidence, uh, depending on the, on the case we were working on. And that's when we began to realize that there was a lot more of the Bigfoot phenomena than any of us had, had ever imagined. And these cases have continued to go on, especially even in more recent years, 2018 and 2019, had just some very detailed, amazing uh, cases like this from all over western Pennsylvania. And I'm in touch with many researchers and witnesses from around the country. And similar cases like this have been going on for years and years across the country of some of these strange elements I've been uncovering. But others have had the same thing going on. But many people I was in touch with back even in the 70s when I started writing about this, and many of those investigators had reports, but they were reluctant to publish them because the reports were so strange and they didn't want to be ridiculed. My position was, I don't have the answers. This is what's being reported. Here's what I'm finding. It's up to you to decide what's going on. And that's where I stand today. I have, I have a keep an open mind to all possibilities, but none of us have the answers as to what's taking place. Wow. Now, is this across the Chestnut Ridge area? And, and tell our audience where exactly is the Chestnut Ridge area. Well, these incidents do occur along the ridge, but they also occur throughout Pennsylvania. Throughout I mean, Pennsylvania. All, <laughs> almost anywhere. Throughout Allegheny County, Westmoreland, Fayette, Indiana, Somerset, Green, Washington. We can go on and on and on. There have been sightings of Bigfoot all through the greater Pittsburgh area, even in recent years. There have been many daylight sightings being reported. We've had incidents in Monroeville. But 99% of these cases you don't hear about publicly because the witnesses want no publicity. Many of them are very reluctant to talk about it. I mean, I received reports from people from all walks of life. Why would a a police officer, a school teacher, a scientist, an engineer... A doctor, a nurse, make up these stories. They have nothing to gain. They want no publicity. They're reluctant to tell anybody about it. They just want to know if anybody else saw something similar. And they try, They wanted some answers. And, you know, we, we have a lot of information, but nobody knows for sure what we're dealing with. Do you think one of the reasons why is because these creatures travel through maybe portals or that's different dimensions? Is that what you think, too? <clears throat> yes, I do. And that's more and more of what I've been finding over the years. And I'll, and I'll give you some cases. But to answer your question, the Chestnut Ridge is a mountain range that extends about 100 miles. It, it runs through Westmoreland, Fayette, Indiana County, and southwest PA, extends down into West Virginia, outside of Morgantown, near Preston County, West Virginia. Year after year, every year, including this year, we have Bigfoot encounters, cryptid encounters, other anomalies, UFO sightings. It goes on, especially in the Westmoreland Fayette County side. A lot of activity year after year. And it's just amazing the reports and the phenomena up in those areas. But it goes on everywhere. 
many sightings down in the Mon Valley outside of Pittsburgh. There's sightings. Yes, yes. I mean, yes. a lot of activity. I mean, even I mean, amazing uh, cases in the last few years are just very detailed reports. And um, you know, on TV, you see a lot of these TV shows, and they see something in the middle of the of the night. They see something half a mile away, and they're trying to guess what the shadow is. Many of the reports we're having here are in daylight, or they're very, and some are very, very close range. Even in the night cases, they're, I mean, very, very close range. So you're getting detailed reports. I mean, you're getting descriptions of these things from head to toe, from people who were very, very shook up over what they saw. And I, I can tell you, in the last few years, I've interviewed experienced hunters and outdoorsmen, whose lives are completely changed. These are guys who never believe these incidents, heard the stories, laughed at them. I mean, I talked to a couple of these guys the last few years, and I sat there face-to-face, and they had tears coming out of, their, out of their eyes. Their lives were changed. They lived in the woods, and now they were reluctant to even go back in anymore. And that's what you see, and that's what you find out. And you realize you're dealing with a very real phenomena. You know, a lot of the scientific people who work with me for years and years were very skeptical when they started. And unfortunately, many of these fellows now passed away. I mean, there's still a few around I'm in touch with, but some of these fellows spent years with me out in the field. They began to interview the witnesses. They saw the physical evidence. Sometimes they saw the animal reactions. They saw the patterns emerging, and they began to realize that something is occurring here. We just don't know what we're dealing with. Something is. Now, when you say everywhere, I know I've read um, a couple of different books in the past. I've seen the missing 411 hunted and, and those missing people. I I assume they're going back to Bigfoot because these these missing people are found in such an odd way or so many miles away that there's no way they could have possibly walked that on their own. But then again, Jen, you're looking at did they go through a portal or not? I truly believe they. Well, could've. not the not not the Bigfoot, but the actual missing people that the hunt like missing hunters that they they found that were missing. They found their maybe their backpack miles and miles and what miles away that there's no way they could have got there themselves. So this uh, creature, this creature probably took them. I can just tell you this. Of the hundreds of Bigfoot cases I've worked on, I mean, I've, I have never seen any cases, and I'm aware of those reports, and, I, and I'm not saying they didn't happen, but I can only tell you the cases I worked on, it's not a common thing. Not I mean, really? on, occasion, on occasion, these things will throw large rocks or large uh, um, tree branches towards people. But for them to come after somebody and, and hurt somebody, for example, it's just something you just don't hear about. So I you mean, don't I've think they hurt reports. people? They're, they're they're intelligent, but they don't they're not like danger like they won't hurt you. They, well, you know, we're dealing with something we know can't say for sure. I've heard stories, but I have no case I can verify that happened with that I've been involved in. And I can think of right offhand. Um, they seem to be very curious of human activity, and they've approached people close, but generally when they're seen, and even. When people fire weapons at them, which I don't recommend, but I had many people, especially in the 70s, take shots at them with all type of weapons, and nobody ever brought one down. But I'll tell you the story now of the case, among others, that led me 
to indicate, led me to believe the possibility that we're dealing with something that, for lack of a better term, is interdimensional. It has a, this phenomenon has a physical and a non-physical component to it. So this goes back to 1974, February 6, 1974, up near Ohio Pile, way up in the mountains, again, Fayette County. And some of you will remember the time period. There was a big national trucker strike going on. There was gas rationing. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, um, there was still um, a little young. <laughs> okay, there was, a, there was a lot of violence on the highways in Pennsylvania and around the country. In Pennsylvania, the National Guard and the state police were patrolling together. So there were representatives of both uh, units that responded to this incident. I couldn't get up to the scene the next morning because here in Greensboro, I couldn't get any gas at night. Anyhow, here's what happened. A woman lived in a waist deep up in the mountains in a cabin, lived there all her life, uh, knew animals very well, was a very good shot, and she was sitting there watching TV as normal that evening when she heard this noise on her little front porch. She had a, a number of uh, empty pop cans out there, and someone was knocking the pop cans around. Well, a few weeks before, she had a pack of uh, dogs, a uh, pack of wild dogs coming through, and she figured that probably the dogs are back. So she thought, you know what, I'll just grab my shotgun, and I'll shoot over their head, and I'll scare the dogs away. So what she did, she loaded one chamber of her shotgun. She uh, turned on the switch for the outside porch light. She turns on, she steps out, and as she switches on the light, Two, two to three feet in front of her is this huge, seven, at least seven foot tall, hair-covered creature. And, and yet, when I interviewed her the next day, she never called it Bigfoot. She said, it looked like a great big hairy ape. And it's standing right there in front of her. What does she do? She pulls the trigger and fires right into it. She said, there's this bright flash of light, like a strobe on a camera, and the creature vanishes in front of her. But yep. her in-laws lived 100 feet away, and they heard the gunshot, and they called her asked what she was shooting at. She explained to them what happened. Her son-in-law grabs his sidearm, starts walking down that dark road towards the cabin. He said he's surrounded by four or five hairy people with eyes like coals of fire, took a couple shots at him, ran into the home, and it wasn't long after they saw this large, luminous object, like a big Christmas ornament, hovering over the woods at the same time. Wow. That's when they called the state police. And uh, I talked to the primary investigator, and he said, he said, I don't know what happened up there. He said, by the time we found the place, everything was back to normal, but it wasn't normal. He said, there wasn't a sound. He said, they had several big dogs, wouldn't bark, wouldn't move, make a sound. They had horses and, and I believe, uh, cattle. And they said, when they got on the scene, animals wouldn't move. And um, that's something I have seen myself. You can't. I always said you can fool people, but you can't fool the animals. And very commonly, even the most ferocious dogs, when they're close to these creatures, they're like paralyzed in fear. They shake, they hide, they cower, they don't bark. Uh, sometimes they won't eat properly for two or three days later. That's very, very common. So that's, that's, that was the case among others that suggests we're dealing with something that has both a physical and a non-physical aspect to it. Now, do you think it's there? It's an intelligent creature. There's well, they appear to have some intelligence, but there's so much we don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things I wish I had the answers for. Nobody knows the answers. I, the more I know about the phenomena, 
the more I believe that the government knows a lot more about both UFOs and Bigfoot, but I believe they don't have the answers themselves. They're trying to figure it out just like we are. It reminds now, me. Go ahead, Sean. I'll, I'll continue after you. Go ahead. Oh, now let's just say, for instance, that they we have portals out there. Okay, I was watching a TV show the other night, and is it possible if there is that portal that it instead of being at a Bigfoot, could it be in the Thandral Man? Coming through the portal? Well, again, lots of theories out there. And, and I've had people who claim they've seen like something like portals up on the ridge in other areas. And there are people who claim they've seen in other parts of the country where they've seen something coming out of portals. We've had mm-hmm. instances of balls of light that change into creatures. And that's another aspect of the Bigfoot phenomena that's been going on more and more in recent years. I mean, I, I started talking about this back in the 70s. But... Sometimes in an area where you're having an outbreak of Bigfoot activity, you'll have other phenomena also ongoing. you have the paranormal phenomena. You'll have these strange orbs of light or small spheres of light. That's something else I'll tell you about in a few minutes. And, um, but, for example, we had one case during the 73 outbreak up north of Pittsburgh where two witnesses were waiting for a friend to pick them up. They see this at least seven-foot-tall white, hairy Bigfoot running across the road towards the woods by the one of a hand who was carrying a small ball of light. And it wasn't long after that this large object came across the sky and projected a beam like down in the woods where the creature ran into. We had a case um, near North Versailles in, I believe, May of last year, early morning hours where a fellow looked out this window. There's a lot of woods behind this home. He sees a small Bigfoot. We're getting reports on smaller ones, and we had for years, four or five feet tall. But this this uh, creature was walking uh, across the field and entered a certain area of the woods. Moments later, this small sphere of light appears exactly at that spot. It moves a little. It goes out. It reappears. It projects a long beam of light out, and it disappears, and it's gone. I mean, that's just a small example of some of the things that are going on. But in more recent years, numerous Bigfoot researchers, not only in Pennsylvania, but across the country, they're going out into areas that has a history of Bigfoot activity, and they're seeing these strange orbs of light coming close to them, close to the ground, in the trees. And what else I'm hearing from some of the researchers is that they're seeing these very large clustering of what look like hundreds, maybe thousands of fireflies, but they're larger, and they move together, and they illuminate the surrounding area. And one person told me, he said, when he approached them, they moved away into the woods so he couldn't get near them. So that's just something else that's going on, and it's one of many different things I've been talking about that suggests that the Bigfoot phenomenon is much stranger than any of us understand. It is, definitely. It reminds me of a time in Verona, um, Pennsylvania, where I used to live, that I saw uh, something with the, you keep mentioning the eyes, the red eyes, and this thing was pretty big, and when you said the fireflies, I actually seen something like that, and that's, this is going back until probably the late 70s, 80s, in like the Allegheny County, and I know up here in Westmoreland County, when we first moved here, it was all like woods. There was no houses. And we saw some really unusual things up here when we would have our campouts, when we would camp out. And I believe that there is something going on around here. But is it 
is it something connected to um, UFOs? Well, that's a big question. Or parent. That is a good question. And, and uh, uh, real quick. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Um, when I was in Gettysburg, uh, I was filming one of my TV shows, and it was like in, in early April, and we were in Gettysburg. And what was really crazy about it was that there was like about 13 fire uh, lightning bugs, fire, you know, following us everywhere we went on that battlefield. You know, and I know this is a little off the topic, but to me, seeing lightning bugs in early part of April just following That's us everywhere, that kind of that kind of creeped me out. It's yeah, really it's, it, again, there's so many similar, the more I know about the phenomena, the more I see parallels between a lot of the paranormal phenomena and UFOs and the cryptid stuff. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours about this, and it's not just, not just Bigfoot. I've investigated many, many of the Thunderbird sightings of the oh, huge flying creatures yes. all over the area in PA, uh, Black Panther sightings. We've had three daylight sightings of these things in the last several months, uh, some at very close range. And that's another whole, another phenomenon it's a, of an out-of-place animal. And there's some very strange elements of the Black Panther reports as well. I've had, we've had other type of gliding cryptids, and we've had reports of this very tall, skinny, hairless mm. humanoid creature that's been seen in Western PA over the last few years. I mean, there's a lot of things going on out there that are very, very strange. That, that creeps me out because, like, I, I live in Westmoreland County now, um, by the Harrison City area, and there used to be, well, it's now a venue, but it used to be an ice cream store next to a farm. It's called Pecora's Farm. And there was so many people seeing this huge Thunderbird-type uh, bird on the top of the ice cream store. I mean, it's like like it's a country road. And this thing was huge. And it was there was multiple people who saw it. And I can that I got really interested in the Thunderbird when I started to hear about that. So this is a real, real prevalent area for that, too. I'm sure you know that. That whole area, I mean, if you read my, my Silent Invader book or my the one I uh, last came out was Astonishing, Astonishing Encounters of Pennsylvania's Unknown Creatures. There are sightings from Penn, Jeanette down there. That whole area along Route 130, out around Bushy Run, out to Harrison City, Penn, then you go into Trafford, all those are my areas. There's multitudes of reports. We've had incidents uh, down at Irwin just in the last few weeks. We had a, a significant UFO sighting, which your listeners can go to my website and read and see the sketch. That was just July 11th, or so just last week. There have been other significant reports coming in the last couple weeks as well. There was a very interesting sighting that also occurred uh, outside of uh, Murraysville uh, just a few weeks ago. There's a lot of things going on out there, but you're not going to hear about in the news because the people want no publicity. Why do you think all this activity is happening? It, it's, it never stops. It goes on year after year. I can tell you, for whatever reason, 2018 and 2019, really, we saw a surge of activity. I mean, not the huge numbers like we had in, in 73, but just constant, really good, detailed sightings. And surprisingly, 2020, with the virus situation, I'm amazed how many reports are coming in. I mean, all through this, I mean, March was busy, May, June, July is becoming very busy. I'm just amazed at the – and a lot of these are really good, detailed reports. 
and I, I can give give you some details about a couple of the recent UFO sightings in the area. But there's been again Black Panthers, possible Thunderbirds. I'm, I'm hearing some alleged Bigfoot activity going on. Um, there have been other reports coming in. I mean, it's just amazing what's going on. And how much don't we hear about? We're hearing about a lot of reports, but how much goes on out there we never hear about? True. It's kind of scary to know that these things exist in our own area. What would you tell our viewers, or our listeners tonight, if they happen to run into a Bigfoot, a Black Panther, a Thunderbird? What do you suggest that they do? Well, of course, every you know, I even think to myself, how would I respond if that happens? And I've heard so many stories. I've had different ideas of what I would do. Um, it's, again, we don't know for sure what we're dealing with. I mean, we're dealing with some type of unknown animal, but what actually are we dealing with? So, of course, uh, it would be smart not to approach uh, but try to, of course, try to get some pictures. If you've got your camera, try to get pictures. And interestingly, you know, on occasion, people do get some videos or pictures of these things. But in most cases, the incidents last only seconds, especially with Bigfoot walking out in front of vehicles, which is not that unusual. And most people are so startled, so shocked by what they saw, they didn't even think about taking a picture until afterwards. So, I mean, if there's any kind of physical evidence, you know, give us a call. And, um, you know, I try to take pictures of any footprints or tracks that you might find out there. And uh, people can call me 24 hours a day. I get reports on my hotline day and night all the time coming in. And uh, they can go to my website, which is stangordon.info, and there's contact information on there as well. Thank you, dear. Yeah. So, Stan, tell, tell us about some of the um, things that you have in your book. Um, you mentioned... Uh, the was that you already mentioned the the back porch, the panther, and what about the dragon, the Fayette County dragon? Well, you know, under the under the Thunderbird reports, uh, a lot of the Thunderbird reports are what people describe as basically a uh, very large, overgrown turkey vulture. But we're talking wingspans like ten to twenty foot. It's like the Thunderbird, and, and some of the witnesses are people. Who I mean, you would call bird watchers. They're experienced bird watchers who have seen these things over the years and were just shocked because they could never believe that such things could exist. And um, so some of the reports are really detailed. And then you've also got reports of very large, featherless, generally black, huge bat-like creatures, including sightings in recent years around Jeanette and Penn. So it's down in the area that you're talking about. And... Um, so it, it's very strange. And then you've got some very detailed reports from people who, again, are so reluctant to even talk about it, who swear that what they've seen look prehistoric, like pterodactyls and pterodactyls. And some of those descriptions, and I mean, if you look at uh, the sketch in my, my Astonishing Encounters book from out in Delmont, I mean, these are reputable witnesses. They're credible people. They have nothing to gain, but they know they saw what they saw. I mean, I interviewed a guy several years ago. Now, this is neighboring West Virginia, but it was two, 2007, as I recall, and it was a two-lane road early morning. He's riding down the road, and he has to hit his brakes real hard. Here's this huge, huge, gigantic bird. He said it's still at least four to four and a half feet tall. It was taller than the top of his vehicle, and it had his wings outstretched, and as it's 
flapping its wings trying to get off off the ground. It's so big it, it was hopping from one leg to the other. He could see the dust and dirt and gravel flying up on both ends of the road. Finally, this thing got up and over the trees, and the next day he went back to measure it. It was 21 feet across. Damn. So where does something like this come from? You know, again, I talk about this a lot on radio shows. You've got all these strange creatures, and, and there's things we haven't even begun to talk about. And you cannot have so many type of unknown creatures out there. But at the same time, you've got so many credible people from widespread areas that don't know each other, who have no, want no publicity, or give you the same kind of details, so you can't dismiss the reports. The only thing that makes any sense as we understand it, and we don't understand yet, is that we're dealing with something that's interdimensional, that under certain conditions, these, whatever they are, they come in and out of our physical reality, they leave evidence of time, and then they're gone. Yep, I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. So are they extraterrestrial, or are they just something that just didn't involve, and they've just been here forever, do you think? We don't know. Again, it's one of those... One of these questions, we have no answers for a lot of it. Do we know a lot more about it? I mean, these sightings go back years and years. I mean, UFO sightings, they go back. Some people think they go back to biblical times. But we have sightings here in the 1800s in the newspaper accounts of Pennsylvania. You have many Bigfoot accounts from Pennsylvania in the 1800s, but they didn't call it Bigfoot back then. It was a wild man of the woods, a wild man of the forest. And so it's not a new phenomenon. It's been going on for years and years. Mm-hmm. And, why do um, you? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Why? Why is? Why do you think Pennsylvania is like very popular for Bigfoot sightings? I know they're all over the place, but Pennsylvania well, got, ranked third. Right, but you've got to remember now. Um, I've been documenting these cases since many, many years ago. It was one. This was one of the only places in the country since 1969 where the public can report incidents that are unusual, and somebody will investigate them. So oh, we've been wow. documenting these cases, and we continue. My hotline never stops. I mean, since 1969, it never stops ringing all the time with reports and, and email reports. And I'm in touch with many other researchers. They're all getting reports. There's other research groups around the country in Pennsylvania get reports. And yet, everywhere I, I've given lectures at over the years, people come up to me and share their accounts that they have seen these things, and they've never reported it. So, again, we have no idea how much this is going on. It, it's an ongoing phenomenon. It's much more common than people realize. Yeah. And it's kind of a lot of people are talking about it. Oh, the thing that kills me is but why hasn't anyone ever found any bones or you know. That's the point. That's, why, that's the whole thing. These things, they come and they go. There are many incidents of Bigfoot that uh, these things appear to be physically solid. But there are other cases where these sometimes they're not completely physically solid. Sometimes only parts of the body are solid and other parts of the body are they're misty, they're out of focus. There have been incidents where the, there was partial parts of the body were not seen, believe it or not. There was not a complete body. We've had many incidents, even in recent years, that people have told me so reluctantly. They said, it was like watching a Predator movie. They said, we're going down the road. This thing suddenly appears out of nowhere. It walks out in front of our car. We can see it from head to toe. It poof, it's gone. And then we've got the disappearing tracks. I mean, there's a great video. If I was... Um, 
I was uh, involved in the uh, Seth uh, Breedlove's uh, great documentary on the troll of Bigfoot uh, several years ago. And there's a very good video from North Huntington on there from just a few years ago. Uh, Wintertime, family looks out their backyard, and here's these trail of these huge footprints in the snow with this big stride. And they go for quite a distance, and suddenly they get to the kids' swings, and the tracks stop and vanish and disappear. And there's some of that segment that you can see it in that documentary. Wow. So it leads us to believe that there could be some kind of interdimensional where they go in and out, that they can go as as they please. That Well, again, they seem to come into our reality. They're here for a, period of, a short period of time, and then they're gone. That's why there's no bodies. I mean, we may have physical evidence at times, but then they're gone. Something I found a long time ago, it still continues today. Many close-range, low-level UFO sightings. Oh, so okay. we're talking detail, not lights in the sky, large structured objects have been, even in recent weeks again, have occur near high tension power lines, yeah. power plants, radio towers, cell phone towers, energy sources. But it's the same with cryptids. Many close range Bigfoot sightings, other cryptid sightings occur in the vicinity of high energy sources. I have no doubt that there's an energy connection to the phenomena as well. Absolutely, because in the paranormal field, um, like you were saying, other power lines and all that stuff, there is a lot of paranormal activity for the mm-hmm. ghost, and it's like really, really crazy. Uh, one question, and I'm going to let you, uh, I'll let Jenny finish up. Um, I watch the ghost paranormal shows on TV, okay, and I cringe when I see what they do, okay? Do you watch the Bigfoot programs? And and if you do, well, what do you think of them? Well, I've seen some of them. I've not seen all of them. Um, And, of course, some of them are more entertainment. I mean, the the good part of that is it brings a subject to the attention of the public. And the public has a great interest. I mean, in the last several years, the interest I'm seeing from the public on these topics is just amazing. Because I've given lectures to all kinds of groups, from professionals to children's groups, all type of age brackets. There's a huge, very big interest in all these phenomena now. And some of the shows um, have do take the reports a little more serious. But um, I mean, that's it's the programs are designed to attract the attention of the people to watch the shows, and some of them do you know a lot more serious uh, research than others do. But um, getting back to the paranormal. Yeah, there, there's some very strong similarities. And one of the things that's interesting, I'm sure you're aware of this, that sometimes when the phenomena is active, especially with some of the orb phenomena, and of course many of the orbs are explainable, but some of them are not, some of these balls of light. And here's, here's what I wanted to tell you, and I'll get back to the subject. Back in the 60s, I started investigating what I call mini UFOs. These sightings continue. Even in recent weeks, I've had some cases of something along this line. These small mini UFOs are generally anywhere from a few inches to, a, to one to two feet in diameter. But they're not always spherical, but most of the time they are. But sometimes they're of solid metallic. Sometimes they're just bright light sources of various colors. But I've had them approach people very close, never hurt anybody, 
as though they're kind of just checking the, the people out for what they're doing. I've had them enter people's homes and cars through open windows and float around and go back out. I've had them go right through the walls of houses where these things appeared inside of homes. But one thing that's very interesting is the electromagnetic effects. Yes. And sometimes I know the paranormal people have talked about this, and it's the same with UFOs and even cryptids in some cases. People have attempted to take photographs, and sometimes their cameras will just instantaneously um, become defective or the battery will completely discharge at that point. Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time that happens to my equipment. It will have fresh batteries. And then not five minutes into the investigation, they're dead. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, we have a question, or is there a caller? Bert, did you want to talk, Bert? Hi. Um, hi, everyone. How is everyone doing tonight? Right, I had a Bert. quick question, um, and you might have already touched upon this point um, earlier. I was a... Late uh, listener, um, but I was wondering if do you know of any that you think is legitimate um, footage of Bigfoot? I know there's a lot of hoaxes and fake uh, video clips out there, but do you know of one that you think is legitimate? And well, thanks. I've seen a lot of films out there, and of course, the, the most famous is uh, uh, the Patty. Uh, footage from back years ago, back in the 60s in California. I mean, it's done, there's been a lot of extensive investigation and research done, and of all the ones I'm seeing, and I've seen over the years, that's the one that most likely may well be the real thing. I, I've seen other pictures people have sent me, I've seen some videos, and some of them are probably legit. They're just not clear enough to really determine what's being seen. But um, there, there are some cases, I mean, I received... Uh, game cam uh, footage every once in a while and some of them have been interesting but you're not seeing the whole body you're seeing a section of something with lo some with long hair hanging off and they may well be r the real thing but it's not enough to prove anything unfortunately but um, there's um, there's some interesting things going on out there people don't realize how much data is collected out there I mean many groups have received some pretty good photographs uh, some of the photographs we were able to look at, look into, and some were not hoaxes, but they just were other explanations for what was photographed, especially with UFO cases. But um, these sightings, again, they go on and on and on, and hopefully somebody will get some good vid uh, video one of these days. I hope so, for your sake, and you, and you, Bigfoot people. That would be so cool. Yeah. But then Thank again, you're going to have your skeptics, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm 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 always skeptical of all reports until you know we follow up on them. I mean, many UFO sightings are misidentifications. So so is with Bigfoot. There have been incidents where people misidentify bear, very large shaggy dogs, uh, hunters in camouflage outfits, and etc. So I mean, there's a lot of things you can explain, but many of the cases are very credible, very detailed reports. Hmm. hmm. This is interesting. Is that? Is, is there any other questions, Bert? Are we still there? Uh, no, not 
I don't have anything other than um, I know there's a lot of uh, audio clips, and I think one of the ones that I saw that was really interesting is um, in uh, the Missing 411 documentary where they had um, these campers, and I, f I forget where they were. Um, you could actually hear it, and it sounded like two seven-foot-tall um, beings, like, talking back and forth in some weird language. And uh, there is some speculation that that could be uh, two Bigfoot type of creatures. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I appreciate you answering my questions. Thank okay, you. Okay, fine. And, yes, with, with the audio sounds, with the vocalizations, back in the 70s, very common. We get reports, and there were some audio tapes done. There were people did record some sounds at times. Some of the reports were very loud vocalizations like a woman in pain screaming, a baby crying, very common, a high-pitched bird whistle, and cases where these things would produce sounds like somebody with their, uh, having trouble breathing, like somebody with asthma. And those reports have continued. But what I also found is that these things seem to be able to mimic human and other sounds as well. And there's many vocalizations in recent years of the large screams and cries, and there have been some good recordings, even in the last couple of years from Pennsylvania, that people have submitted to different researchers. So people are recording some of this information. And with you saying that, Stan, we have taken EVPs on investigations, and I remember one real quick up in Monroeville, uh, my, my ex-girlfriend, she was doing an EVP, and... She took the CVP, and later we listened to it, and it sounded exactly like her, and it was a spirit. It was a ghost. Hmm. So this is crazy. I'm, uh, yeah. Very interesting. I'm yeah, ready to I go Bigfoot you, hunting. <laughs> I know you had mentioned Verona. I mean, if you read my Solid Invasion book, there were sightings in the 70s and, and other areas around there, around Verona and Penn Hill even in the oh, 70s. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to uh, look that up. Silent Invasion. Yeah, there was weird stuff that happened in, in that area. I can I can talk all night about it. But you know, there was one really cool one that happened here in 19, I think it was 217 November. It was November 15th. Um, I think it was, yeah, the two, I think it was 2015 in November. I was in a deep sleep. I woke up to this horrible sound that I've never heard before. It was the scariest vocalization of something that was not human and it wasn't a cat and it wasn't a raccoon. It was the most horrible sound and I was so, my my heart was beating so strong that I woke my son up, my older son, he was like I think he was like 18, 19 years old and he came in my room and we stood by the window. It was on the roof. Whatever it was was on the roof. And it was so the it was a horrible sound. It was it was deep and raspy, and it was like an evil sounding, demonic. I don't know what it was, but we heard it jump from this from the roof. We heard it jump onto the ground, and that was in November. And I even went on Google trying to search for it, see if anybody and somebody else mentioned it too. So I don't I don't know what it was. But it seems like these things happen. I don't know, Stan, if you can had any any kind of information on it. when there's a sonic boom. Did you ever notice anything like that? I can just tell you. In fact, I talked to somebody today that brought something of this up again too. About sightings in the last couple of years. 
we, we've had many reports for years and years of what we call the mystery booms. And they, they're ongoing. I mean, the last years we've had numerous ones in Pennsylvania. We've had many in the area. And, and yes, some of these things are explainable. Um, sometimes attributed around the country to sonic booms from aircraft, uh, which rarely, rarely ever happens around this area. Um, sometimes they're related to uh, some type of a, um, an am uh, explosive ammunition that people have used in the area. But some of these reports I've heard over the last few years, I mean, these were going on uh, where people felt the, the home shake, the, the windows rattled, the animals came upset, like 20, 30 miles away. And on occasion, you'll have a lot of phenomena, including loud explosive sounds, big bangs against houses, with some of these reports, too. It's, it's, there's so much, we can't even begin to get into what, what we've uncovered over the years in, a, in an hour. Yeah. Well, thanks, Bird, for calling in. We appreciate it. And hope he answers some of your questions. Yeah, there's a lot of strange things in this area that we can't explain. And like I said, we could, it's Pittsburgh. Yeah, but it's the Bigfoot is really fascinating because when you camp out and you're always thinking, is there something you know in the woods watching you, or you know, is it? That's you, why I do. That's why I do motels, hun. <laughs> well, I love to camp out. It's just it was if you hear a different sound that you're not familiar with because I know they make they make some strange sounds. So I know, I've heard people say that about the Bigfoot um, phenomena. I don't I don't know if it's you know there's a lot of things in this area and there was another creature uh, stand. I don't know if you ever heard of this one. Um, this is years ago. My son had told me him and his girlfriend were out driving in uh, Westmoreland County and they she could swear she saw this. Little time, like a short, like dwarf-like creature was like off. He wasn't wearing any clothes, and it was really small, and it was like fleshy. Like it was like didn't have. It wasn't wearing clothes, and it ran up into the woods. Did you ever hear anything like that? Uh, on occasion, we hear reports of these very, very short little, almost like little uh, troll type things. Yes, trolls. Reported. Yes. Um. But I think what's more fascinating are these winged humanoid creatures that we get reports of every once in a while. We have the the, the famous one here I investigated oh. up in Butler County. We call it the Butler Gargoyle oh. in 2011. And there have been uh, there were other sightings within days after the initial witness reported this uh, report up there to the uh, Butler uh, Research Group later to Dan Hagman. But um, I got to know the witness very well, very professional. He was riding down the road. Uh, that late that night between Shakur and East Brady, and he sees this thing and his headlights rise up out of the field from the right side uh, uh, of his vehicle as he's going down the road, and this thing rises up, takes three big steps across the road into the woods. He saw it from the side, but he said this was not a Bigfoot. He said this thing was at least eight feet tall. It was covered with light leathery skin, no hair. The uh, eyes were swept back. The head was shaped more like a aerodynamic helmet. It had short hands and claws, and it had wings tucked into its side. A dragon. That sounds like Mothman. Well, that's not the dragon. We've had something. Some of the Thunderbird reports we've had are more like dragon reports. I mean, it's so bizarre. But some of the reports are very detailed. Yeah, it sounds pretty creepy, but. I wish we can continue this conversation. We're getting down to the um, the wire here, and 
What time is it? Eight. Well, we're coming down to the wire, so we're just going to have to uh, continue this another time, Stan. But um, like I said, we're coming to the witching hour to say goodbye. Stan, tell our audience where we can get in touch with you again or report, report a UFO or Bigfoot sighting. Okay. Well, my website is stangordon.info, stangordon.info. Um, they can call report. Uh, my number is 724-838-7768. They can email me at paufo at comcast.net, but that's on the website. And my books are available through amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Great. Well, Stan, thank you again for joining us tonight, and we'll have to have you back on the show. Yes, okay. Stan. Thank you very much. And Sean, Thanks tell us. It was a lot of fun. It was. It was. It's always fun to have you on. I can't wait to have you on again. So um, we'll do that soon. Sean, tell our audience where someone can get in touch with you for an investigation. Yes, they can uh, go to Facebook and go to our Pittsburgh Paranormal Society page and send us a message and we will answer. Awesome. And please check out my author page, J.E. Nicasio, my trilogy from the sky and all my other books on Amazon.com. And next week we have a former MUFON investigator on the show and we're going to talk angels and demons. So remember, yeah, so remember to, that's, to, that's up my alley. There. I know. Yeah. Remember to like us on Facebook and check out Chasing Prophecy Radio and subscri- subscribe to our YouTube channel. And good night, everyone. And thanks for tuning in to Chasing Prophecy. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>